Have you ever been overwhelmed by the amount of correcting and grading that you need to do uh, in terms of your kids' schoolwork? That's going to be our topic today. Welcome to the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorenda, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to nine, and 27-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, The Four-Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life, and Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart. That is a devotional that I wrote specifically for homeschooling moms. You can find all three of those books on Amazon. You can also find them at DorendaWilson.com. And you can find The 4-Hour School Day at any of your favorite booksellers in addition to the places that I just mentioned. Now, before I dive into this topic, I want to let you know that there are some upcoming conferences that I'm going to be speaking at. The first one is going to be the Denver, Colorado Czech Refresh Ladies Day. This is a day that is set aside to encourage homeschooling moms. And I'm going to be there talking about rest, rhythm, and ritual. I hope you'll join me there. I will leave a link in the show notes to go check that out if you live in that area. If you are in the Kansas City area, the end of March, I will be speaking at the MPE, so Midwest Parent Educators Homeschool Convention. So um, I will leave a link for that as well. If you don't live in either of those areas, I'll also leave a link for all the other places that I'm going to be speaking. But those are the ones that are coming up soon. I hope you will go check those out. I would love to be able to meet you in person. Um, the last conference, though, that I want to make sure that I mention is one that's actually coming up really soon. And this is an online conference called Homegrown Generation. The cool thing about this conference is that it's an interactive conference. So while the conference is live, parents can ask questions and interact with the speakers, much like you would do at a conference um, in person. So it's very, very cool. However, if you can't be there for every session, you still have lifetime access to all of the videos um, forever. That's forever. And also you get access to the um, conference from two years ago. So a whole other conference. So it's like two conferences for the price of one. I'm going to leave a link to that and a code so that you can get $10 off of that, um, that particular conference. All right. So, um, you know, I've mentioned before, uh, CTC math. I, I talk about it pretty much every time I get onto the podcast and I've been doing that for some time now, but I'm wondering if you've tried it out yet. I, I love CTC math because it provides online video tutorials that make learning math easy and effective. The other thing I love about them is they're short. So they really keep your kid's attention span and just focus on that one concept. And so it's not overwhelming or confusing. Um, but this online math program uses creative graphics, graphics and animation that are sure to grab and keep your child's attention. So start your free trial today by visiting ctcmath.com. That's ctcmath.com. All right, so I recently received an email from Jill, um, a homeschooling mom who had a question about keeping up with our kids' schoolwork. So she asked me, how did you keep up with your kids' schoolwork and checking in with each kid? How did you get all the correcting done? I've tried to group kids together for science and history where I can, and that's helped. 
But as they work independently, they get so far ahead of me checking in on their work, I have no idea if they're understanding things properly. I get to the end of each day and I've been busy all day helping kids, but I didn't have time to do the actual correcting. Do you have any ideas for me? She said, I really do enjoy homeschooling no matter how challenging things can get. And I want to get better at my end of things in a manageable way and not have to be, you know, have it to be an overly time consuming thing. And so I love her honesty here. I love her determination. Okay. It's hard right now. I just need to figure out a better way to do this. And because I'm not stopping. So kudos to you, Jill, um, stay the course, stay committed. And really what she's asking for, asking me for, um, is how did I do it? So that's what I'm going to share today. Um, I'm sure there are other ideas out there, but I can only speak, you know, mainly from my experience. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, and then she proceeded to list one, two, three, four, five kids. And so she's got a kindergartner, second grader, fourth grader, seventh grader, ninth grader. And she listed kind of what they do every day, which was super helpful because I could I could look and see like, okay, what is that compared to what we did when our kids were we're growing up and and I'm not by any means saying she has to do things the way that we do them or did them, but um, it helps me understand kind of what the difference might be and how we manage to do that with eight kids. So um, she even said, you probably don't even have time to read all this and I completely understand, but maybe you could do a podcast with ideas. So that's why I'm here today. I want to answer that question. I think we've all been there and it's just important to know you're not alone, but I love the fact that she wants to um, bring a little bit more uh, um, clarity to this. And um, and I think that my first word is always going to be simplify, okay? Because clearly this is overwhelming and there that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the way you've done things. Um, but I'm just gonna speak from my own experience. Um, I was there as well where um, history and science um, and math and language arts and reading and all that, trying to get all of that done with every kid every day was overwhelming me. And in a recent podcast, I actually talked about this when I talked about homeschooling with littles, because when you have multiple children or you have a lot of small children, um, there are some unique challenges that come with that. And I've been there on both of those fronts. You know, I've had, you know, uh, six kids, nine and under, seven kids, 11 and under. Um, so I get it. And I talked about this in the other podcast where I talked about homeschooling with littles. Um, again, this is the way I had to do it because it was the only way that would work. I prayed about it and I ended up not doing formal science or history in elementary school. And so if you didn't listen to that other episode, I'm going to just re-explain why I did that. So first of all, I I was overwhelmed. That was the first thing. My circumstances were such that I was thinking, I, I, I knew that it, this was humanly impossible for me to get through all of these topics and still have my kids love learning and still you know, be a mom that wasn't completely stressed out. So I thought about science and history and I thought about how how much science and history do I actually remember from elementary school? 
Well, I only remember the things that were super interesting to me, hands-on things, things that um, I was fully engaged in. And so I decided to let those subjects be self-directed. And what I mean by that is not that I avoided those topics at all. I just let them happen naturally through conversation because automatically things are going to come up. Kids are going to see a name like George Washington or see a biography by him and say, who was George Washington? Well, let's find out. Um, you know, he was the first president of the United States, and and maybe you're going to get a couple of books that you're going to read out loud during your reading time in the mornings when you're covering language arts. So you're streamlining those topics to to uh, you know to cover two topics in one, two subjects in one. You're getting your reading done, and they're getting some history. But I couldn't I couldn't see that making it a formal have to thing every single day was actually going to work. Now we did try um, to do some audio. Uh, history. And some of the kids were sort of interested, but they, they really lost interest pretty quickly. So I really had to come up with a different game plan. And what happened was I would just have always have good books laying around, um, some on history, some on science. The Usborne books are great, you know, like how things work and things like that. This, you know, you can do kitchen science in the kitchen with baking. Uh, one time, I don't know, I saw that if I saw a science kit, you know, maybe at a yard sale or something inexpensive somewhere, I think, oh, you know, I'm going to pick that up and just see if the kids want to mess around with it. And that is how I let it be self-directed. And many times in the afternoon when the kids were playing and doing their sort of independent time, they would automatically be drawn to things that were science related or history related. And, you know, there were certain times in the day when I would let them watch some TV, but we would keep it to things like the Magic School Bus, Kratz Creatures, documentaries, things like that. And a lot a lot of those were history and science related. And so what was happening is my kids were having these little exposures, just little. So there's these dots that are happening, exposed to this, exposed to this, exposed to this. You know, we go to a, we go to a, 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 the zoo, we go to a museum, you know, we didn't do a ton of that, but let's just say we did again, that's going to fall, you know, like a science museum, um, that's going to fall into that, um, into that, those two subjects. And so they would have all these little experiences. And I loved how God just organically brought things along. I listened for opportunities when they, when they would bring up something that was interesting to them or have a question about something. And I would encourage them to pursue the answer. So to look for the resources to help them figure out what they wanted to know. But a lot of it happened with them just cracking open an Usborne book because, ooh, this looks interesting. What did people wear throughout history? That was one of our girls' favorite books. Um, or the boys would be how things work. Um, one of our sons ended up loving history and he was my latest reader. He was nine before he was reading really well. And he is now my most avid reader. And so this whole idea that they have to learn to read early in order to be a good reader is, is simply not true. So there's a lot of, you know, assumptions that we make. And so I, you know, I think one of those is that we have to do science and history in elementary school. And we really don't. There are other ways to approach it. So they would have all these little experiences. So I look at them like they're little dots, unconnected, just little places and times where they were engaged in a science topic or a, or a, um, history topic, okay? Then when they got into high school, we would do a formal science curriculum and a formal history curriculum. And then all those dots would connect. At that point in time, 
their brains are developed enough, um, they're mature enough to be able to put those dots together, look at a timeline of history and understand it. Now, again, I'm not saying you can't do it or you shouldn't do it. I'm saying this is how we had to do it in order for me to accomplish um, what we needed to accomplish every day. So um, if I felt like we were maybe even lacking a little bit of science and history, hadn't covered much for several weeks or whatever, I could choose a history-related or science-related book as a read-aloud. Um, so, But mainly, I let that be a self-directed uh, subject because here's the deal, uh, ladies. I felt like we needed to be done by noon at the latest when the kids were in elementary school. So that was sort of my cutoff time. Whatever I could get done in the morning after breakfast, and we stayed on a pretty good, you know, consistent routine, getting up at the same time, doing chores, eating breakfast, doing a few more chores, and then tried to get going on our schoolwork by nine-ish. Then um, certainly the little kindergartner, first grader, second grader, no problem being done by noon, you know. But if it got to where, you know, we couldn't be because I had so many things planned. For one thing, Mike, those little ones, you can't keep their attention that long. Like they weren't made to be there doing schoolwork for three hours straight. And we did even take breaks and everything, but that's still a long time for the younger ones. So that was just my personal preference because I wanted them to have self-directed play in the afternoon. I, you know, like we ate lunch and then afterwards we had a quiet time. They'd take a big pile of books and they all needed to be good books, a lot of them with science and history related topics, you know, interspersed and um, in these books, and they would just take the stack of books with them to bed and they could read them, they could look at them, they could sleep if they wanted to, but they had to be quiet for about an hour, depending on what season we were in. Um, and then and then they had self-directed time after that. And I wanted them to have that margin every day. That was part of our simple, unhurried approach to homeschooling. So this is how I had to approach history and science. So that's a big one right there because she is talking about how her kindergarten does five in a row, master books, math kindergarten, and some quick little pre-reading fun workbooks. That's perfect. Um, and then her second grader does five in a row with her brother, which is great. Um, streamline those two together. Master books, math two, master books, language lessons two, and master books, let's talk science with fourth grader. Now, if that's not too time consuming um, and, and she's enjoying it, of course, you keep doing it. But again, the science could be optional. So by taking the science and the history and making it optional in the elementary years, that does simplify things quite a bit. So that was one thing that I did. The other thing that I did um, was... Uh, because I did that, it made it possible for me to sit down every day with each child and correct their work daily. They were not cut loose to go do anything else until I had sat down with their work that and gone until I had sat down with them to go over their work. Okay, so that was um, that was something I just did every day because what I found was if I waited too long to correct their work. And they didn't get a concept a week or two ago. Everything they did after that got messed up. And we had to go, we had to, you know, backtrack. And that was frustrating for them. And it was frustrating for me. And I just found that it kept them honest. It kept them hardworking because they knew I was going to check it every single day. Um, and sometimes, especially as they got a little bit older, I would allow them to check their own work 
as long as that trust wasn't breached. So they're not going through their work um, and correcting it, you know, just looking at all the answers and writing them in. So, you know, you keep an eye on them. Kids are kids and sometimes they will pull stuff like that. So that that was just something I had to kind of keep an eye on or they couldn't have the correction book until I could see that they had actually done the work and okay, here's the correction book, go ahead and correct it. And I would let them correct their own work. Sometimes they corrected each other's work. And then there's things that they can't correct themselves. Like if you're going to read through their summary and see how the grammar is and the spelling and all of that, that's something I would have to do. So um, that was helpful to let them self-correct or have a sibling um, correct. And the other thing that was great about not cutting them loose is that they had to get those things right, if if they really had a problem with something, we had to go and revisit it all and make sure uh, that they were getting the concept. So let's say they did a, you know, some math work and they got most of it wrong, like not just one or two wrong, but a lot wrong. It was clear they didn't get the concept. So I would have them go back and do a lot of times there's extra problems in the back of the book that they can practice on or just erase some and let them uh, redo them or write them on a separate piece of paper and have them uh, redo those questions until you can see that they've got the concept. And so it encourages them to try to get the concept the first time, um, but then it also leaves margin for them to be able to go back over that and get the concept right. Now, sometimes they still weren't getting it and they were getting frustrated and either I would cut them loose for a little break then to come back and work on it again, depending on how it went. If not, sometimes you just got to drop it for the day and, and, and revisit it the next day. So um, that was just, that was how I handled it. And that's what this mom is asking. So hopefully that's helpful to some of you. Um, a little side note that I wanted to share is that I didn't give grades. Um, people talk about grading all the work and then, you know, putting it all like like little report card type thing. I was like, I don't need to do that. That's way more work than I really need to do, especially in the early years. As they get into high school, of course, you've got to keep a better record of what they're doing. Um, so I just didn't give grades. I knew that whether they were making progress or not. My thing was, I'm not shooting for perfection. I am shooting for progress. So in my mind, if they got an 80% or better, which you know when you're looking it over, it's approximately 80% or better, that was enough. That was good. I could tell that they were getting the concept. And um, and if it was less than that, we need to. they needed to redo some things to make sure and double check that they got that concept. But the reason I didn't give grades is because I didn't want my kids to start making that the measuring tool. Now, there are kids out there who are competitive and, you know, my kids didn't even know about grades until they got much older. And at one point, one of my boys said, why don't you give grades? And I said, well, I just, it really hasn't been that important. You know, I, I know where you're at. I know how you're doing. And and all I care about is that we keep moving forward. So we're not shooting for perfection or a certain level. We are looking for progress. And so, but he said to me, mom, I would really like you to grade my work because I want to know how well I'm doing. And there are kids that are put together like that and they want to have a, a more firm gauge. But he was older. He was able to understand that grades aren't everything. Um, 
I, I just didn't want my kids to have to deal with that kind of pressure at an early age. It's just unnecessary. We want learning to be fun. We want them to just say, oh, this is my work. This is what I'm doing. Oh, look at this. I got it. Now I can go outside and play and just give them that freedom and that margin. And then when they get older, you know, maybe yes, you know, maybe when they start hitting middle school, um, you want to start giving them grades to sort of sometimes, especially at that age, it starts to be a bit of a motivator, but you know, your kid better than anybody, you know, whether that's a good idea or not even ask them if you want to, when you, they get to middle school, you could say, well, do you want me to start giving you grades? Would that, is that, does that matter to you? And my kids would be totally honest with me. And some of them would say yes. And others would say, nope, don't need that. So I just thought I would share that because again, that's another thing that can be more time consuming than it needs to be. And so uh, I'm all about simplifying. I'm all about um, doing as much natural and organic learning as possible, but I'm not a mom who can just not do any like book work. Like I needed to know that in the basics for sure, my kids were continuing to move forward. And so um, that was just my perspective on it. And I hope this was a blessing and encouragement to you. I'm gonna close in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for these kids that we have the opportunity to homeschool, Lord. We thank you for the privilege of being with our children, for the privilege of of being the ones to facilitate their education. Thank you for all the resources that are out there that make it so that we don't have to be overwhelmed. Lord, I pray for every mom here that you would give her clarity and wisdom to know whether there's areas she needs to simplify and um, that you would just lift that burden, Lord, because you did not um, call us to this and then just leave us on the side of the road for debt. You, when we feel overwhelmed, that's a red flag. And I love that Jill was wise and listened to that and reached out and asked for um, some direction. And so I, I thank you for that. I thank you for all these moms listening who are so committed to their children. I pray a blessing over them. I ask that you would give them peace that passes all understanding. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <music> 